This is episode 97 of the Rev Thinking Podcast. I'm Joel Pilger. Probably the busiest, highest billing year of our, our history. By embracing process as aggressively as we have, it's made a lot of things like the creativity stuff fall into place. Welcome to Rev Thinking, the podcast for creative entrepreneurs who know the best way to deal with the future is to create it. Have you ever watched a video and thought, wow, that is so rad. I help brands create that feeling for their customers. My team and I use animation to do it. My specialty is a bold and colorful California design aesthetic. My team and I work on TV commercial campaigns, social media content, title sequences, explainer videos, and full 360 campaigns. Well, these are the words of PJ Richardson, my guest on the podcast today. PJ is the executive creative director and co-founder at Laundry. He also calls himself a motion graphics designer, animator, and filmmaker at heart. What do you need to know about Laundry? Well, PJ and his partner, Tony, opened the studio a decade ago, and they write to learn the rules and then to break them. We have a daring take creatively, a cool demeanor under pressure, and the experience to deliver over and over consistently while still having fun. We've got a different take on things. We live for the challenge and love the rush of pulling it all off. You're not satisfied with the status quo, and neither are we, so let's do something about it. Laundry's team draws on their existing relationships with directors, agencies, and producers, and their client list has grown to include brands like Apple, Uber, Facebook, Instagram, Square, Adidas, Coke, and Adobe, and of course, plenty of agencies like RPA, Wyden and Kennedy, DDB, Pereira, Odell, 72 and Sunny, a few others <laughs> among that list. The list goes on and on. This podcast is part two. We did a conversation a couple years ago, but I was having a conversation with PJ just a few months ago, and I said, I've got to have you back. Because PJ said a few key things. I said, the world needs to hear this. They need to hear from you again. PJ said something to me. He said, you know, it's like, it's like surfing, running my business. It's been this crazy year, but we're riding these waves. And he also said the growth of where laundry is today, it isn't what people think. And I said, let's have this conversation and unpack that. PJ talked about a huge difference between understanding what clients need and delighting them, as opposed to just saying yes and servicing them. So that comes down to lessons about sales. I like this, about making investments in systems and routines that prepare you for disruption so you can deal with it in a way that is still proactive. Probably my favorite thing that he also said to me was, Joel, it's something that you've hammered into me over and over again. It is doing the right things consistently. It feels like it's not working right up until it does. So here's my conversation with PJ. How have things evolved and changed over the past year? And for context, in case somebody's listening to this years from now, we're talking about 2020. A lot of ways, I think. Um... You know, I think like any studio or, or any business for that matter, it, it yeah. 
at first we were sort of like, holy shit, are we going to even have a business or, or even a country and depending who you ask. Uh, and then very quickly it, um, I think without having to deep dive too much into it, cause we all, I don't know anybody that wouldn't have not experienced an unusual change in life because of the pandemic, but we quickly adapted, let's just say. Um, and I think one of the things as a design and animation studio that we embraced very quickly was tripling or quadrupling down on communication and process and consistency that goes along with that. Right. So like checking in on projects daily, uh, making sure we check in on cash flow and roll up and sales outreach weekly. Um, I'm trying to think of other, you know, I think not that we didn't have this before, but like we've gotten incredibly disciplined about our, our process and the consistency of just checking in on everything is in communicating heavily. Um, and then also I think one thing that's really evolved, I mean, we've done a lot crazier and cool creative work and had probably the busiest, highest billing year of our, our history in 2020 as odd as that might sound. Um, but, but besides that, I think by embracing process as, as aggressively as we have, it's made a lot of like things like the creativity stuff fall into place and be able to do a lot more, a lot more ambitiously, um, which is a little bit unexpected. I think at first we were like, okay, we just want to stay open. And then it was like, okay, we got the swing. <laughs> we're getting the hang of this. All right. And and I think one layer to that though is that it is re that's been really working for us well is doing things for our staff and our clients in a way that really puts ourselves in their shoes. Like, mm. and, and, and I mean, it's the empathy thing for sure, but like we really put, put pen to paper on that, like in a lot of ways. Well, I'm sitting here taking some notes because you just dropped like three wisdom bombs on me. Um, and even before I can get these notes down, because that was fast and furious. Dude, you know what you just reminded me of that I have never thought about until this moment is, you know the story of Ernest Shackle Shackleton, Shackleford? What's, who's the explorer that, that got frozen in the ice in, South, in the Antarctic? Do you know oh, the wow. story at all? No, but it sounds okay. awesome. Or maybe, well, hopefully. Yeah, well, it's this amazing story where this ship gets trapped in the ice. They end up spending, I don't know, a year or something, and, and everyone survived. But the, one of the biggest morals of the whole story was that the captain, Shackleton, God, I hope I'm not butchering his name, made a decision. Even though we have nothing to do because we're trapped in the ice, we can't sail, we can't explore, we can't navigate, they doubled down on routines and discipline and i'm just now kind of going whoa wait a minute that's a bit what you just said because i think there's this uh there was a tendency that when everyone was sort of adapting and the pandemic was we're all figuring out like oh my god just go home we'll figure it out people kind of thought okay well we're we're home and we're on our, our little silos and i guess we'll just kind of work and we'll check in every week and do our weekly production meeting. And then some people started noticing, no, we're losing control or productivity or creativity or what, what, what was, what, I'm kind of curious, what was your discovery? Was that just something you kind of knew intuitively 
from the start or did you actually discover like, oh my gosh, things are going out of control. We got to get, get a handle on this. I think we thought they were going to go out of control, but the market kind of worked itself a little bit. Like I think it was March or April. We were really slow because all of our clients were like, holy shit, this, there's a shutdown. We kind of didn't expect this. Now what do we do? But then I think very quickly, clients and brands figured out like, hey, well, we still have to market and we still have to to figure out how to do that. And so I think we were I think we just were well positioned for it um, and to be able to do the same. And, and but I think we embraced it, too. I don't think we were like we just didn't really just sit and wonder even when we didn't have clarity. We, we just we stuck to the we didn't try to reinvent anything. And luckily, we had a lot of good processes already in place. So, right. like, we just kind of stuck to our guns, really. Um, well, it's it, – so I'm, I'm just guessing some people that might hear that, who fancy themselves creatives, as we all do, would hear that and say, oh, God, that sounds that sounds awful. <laughs> like, like regiment and duty and obligation and, oh, I have to abide by a system. Uh, but I think there's a different perspective there. I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but I'm, I'm oh, curious. Oh, I have a different perspective. Okay, yeah. What, what's your perspective on why why are systems and routines not not handcuffs? <laughs> For one very very good reason is the consistency of it, and and because you can, if we're consistent with it, we don't have to think about it all the time. So, like, let me give you a good example. Like, if you're like some, and I've I've totally been this person. I was this person where you're like. Okay, I don't even want to have to think about cash flow because it's just going to scare me. So I'm just not going to think about it and I'll address it once every six months and then I'll get freaked the fuck out and then blah, 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 blah. But if there's a routine to it, then you address it. And just look, you're not going to not think about it in other times, but you're sort of like, okay, that's the bucket or the, the compartment for that conversation. And then you come back to it a week later. And, and if it's really, truly bad, then you spend a little more extra time in between. But what I realized this year is that also applies to creativity and design too. So there's this whole thing where you're like, oh, I, I just need to do it when I'm inspired. And that could be at 12 at night. That could be on a Tuesday. That could be every day. But I, I'm a creative. I need my like freedom to do that. I think we proved to ourselves or evolved that that is not necessarily how it needs to be um, and that we can still be very effective because we've been every bit as consistent and routine with our creativity and our output's gone through the roof. Now, have um, you are you familiar with Stephen Pressfield and Turning Pro? No. What? No, who's that? Dude, I'm buying you this book right now. So okay. the nutshell of it is there's the, it's a book called Tap Your Inner Power and Create Your Life's Work. So Stephen Pressfield is an author, but this book, Turning Pro, it's basically this like, he talks about how there are all of the, all of the amateurs in the world who they want to be and they think they're going to someday be awesome, but they need to turn pro. And the book, I'm reading it right now in three sentences. You can divide your life neatly into two parts before turning pro and after. All you have to do to turn pro is decide. And when you turn pro, life gets easier because you just start showing up and you keep showing up and you do the work and you do the work and you don't, it's like you uh, waiting for on inspiration is for losers. <laughs> it's kind of the idea uh, I'm thinking about. And I'm kind of hearing you say that, that there's a certain thing called uh, it's like diet and exercise. 
Like you don't yeah. take six months off from diet and exercise because you know the, the recovery is just too painful. So if you said, I'm not going to pay attention to my, my finances and, and keep an eye on my cash flow and stuff for, for six months and just, if it goes to hell, it goes to hell. You're like, no, no. If I just touch it once a week, there's a beauty and a power in that just showing up, even if I'm not inspired <laughs> to do it, because when are you ever going to be inspired to sit down and walk through a report and look at your cash flow for the next 12 weeks? A hundred percent. And I, one thing I didn't, it never occurred to me until very recently and applies to both the creative side and the business side, but it's so dumb, simple, but so unobvious at times. The more you check in and the more you do it, the better you get at it. No duh, right? It's like exercise. Okay. So like if you're Tom Brady, the more you practice, the more you throw, or if you're Kobe, you shoot shots, the more you shoot shots, the more likely you're going to get better at it. Not that it's not going to suck and you'll have a lot of frustrating misses along the way, but over the long, like it's a long game thing. Like the more we check in, the more frequently and consistent we are with check-ins on our administrative side, or the more we create design work. I mean, it's almost impossible not to get better at it. So there's like a virtuous circle is what I'm hearing you describe. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's just, it's, I mean, it's like a, it's it's like a I I made this analogy on a on a capabilities call the other day. It's it's like a butcher. The, the more you sharpen the knives, the sharper they're gonna get. <laughs> like, <laughs> like right, like. But if you only sharpen it once and then want to like cut through the meat six months later, it, it, it I doubt it's gonna be as sharp. Now let's. I'm curious to know this maybe from a practical level. And again, full disclosure, of course, because you and I have worked together for years and we have a, we obviously have a professional relationship. So I, I already know some, some of the answers to these questions, but I think it's very interesting to hear you say them from your, from your perspective sure. and for others, of course, to benefit. What's the, what are the essential systems or essential routines that you run? Like just to kind of, like if you were driving your car, you'd be like, I need my fuel gauge, I need my speedometer, I need my tachometer, and I need my tire pressure. Right. Those are the ways that you keep your eye on the pulse of your car and you know that it's going well. What are those for you in terms of running a, a creative business? Okay. So there's several. We do a production meeting every single day at 10 o'clock to go over all of our jobs and all of our studios all together. Um, that's a big one because it helps. Uh, keep everybody in communication and kind of plan for what's to come or not to come. Um, that I mean, there, it's way deeper than that, but it also is where we check in on leads, follow ups, what's in production, what's not, artists we need, what we don't need, and we have it down. We get through both studios in about fifteen to eighteen minutes usually. Okay, um, and I'm I, I'm curious. It doesn't sound like you cover creative. Like it's not a conversation about whether or not the work is you know, super awesome and the style that you wish it was going in, it sounds much more like a production meeting and a business meeting. Yeah, it is. It's for the producers and the creatives just to, and the EPs to just kind of stay, stay in. It's really just to get ahead of problems before they become big problems. Cause like there's always problems and challenges, but the more frequently we check in, the smaller those problems usually end up being. Mm. Um, See, that's kind of cool. And then how yeah. many jobs, like on average, when you go through, say it's a 15, 20 minute meeting, are you going through like the high level metrics on five jobs or 15 jobs? 
Uh, 15 or more, and then we'd super top level go through the leads. Okay. Uh, or the, right. or the, yeah, or the, the leads basically. Um, okay, and so it's also a chance to call out, like, if we need artist allocation for certain things, like different, because it's not the same producer on every job, but like, we can also then be like, oh, okay, this person's coming off of this job here, so we can move them over to here on Tuesday if you need it. Or we're feeling like this one, needs a little thunder so maybe we need to get a freelancer or something like that <laughs> uh okay so that's the production meeting what are some of the other uh routines um we there again the daily check-ins on all the projects uh on zoom in person um my other big new routine it's not like we didn't do this but i i, I really am hell-bent on it formally now is, is creative briefs i do these very 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 spelled out google docs of or Google Slides of creative briefs uh, at the beginning of each of my projects to, to double down on the clarity of what we're being asked and what I think the solution is to get there. Um, and is this a learning the hard way by not doing that and things get yep. sideways and you've under-communicated and people are going down paths they should not have gone down because creatively they weren't well-directed? Yeah, it, it, I mean, in a nutshell, that's exactly it. What I figured out in, in talking to my teams is that they want very specific and pretty frequent feedback, and I wasn't giving it clear enough uh, and, and or consistently enough. And so what I figured out was if I can be very, very spelled out, at least up front, it, it creates a, a clear vision and goal for everybody involved. Um, and that's that's that has a lot of elements to it. That's like... This is what the client's asking. This is also what the business goal is that we're working towards. Here's how I think we're going to solve it conceptually and visually. Here's references of what I want it to look at. Like, and then also at the end of it, I'll put, um, this is what I expect of you. Let me know if this is possible or not possible. I'll say like, if it's design, I want two to four frames, three different directions, and, and this is what we're working towards. Wow. Like, trying, to, trying to just kill ambiguity. Yeah, that does, um, well, there's an enormous amount of discipline that, that I'm thinking that that requires. And is that primarily a, a, a document that is prose and written word, or is it more of a visual brief? Both. Okay, it's both. So, like, I'll, 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 it's, a, it's, a, it's a template that I have that I just fill out almost like I'm submitting a, a form to the, you know, the gas station to get my car fixed or something. Um, but because I have it as big, we're, we're big on our templates, because we have it existing already, we don't have to think about what it is. We just have to fill it out. Right. Um, and that, I think that saves a lot of time. Uh, and then that's something that people can share and come back to. And, and then also, like, we revisit if we're like, okay, I like these designs. And this almost never happens. But sometimes if it's like, how did you get to that look from this brief? I can reference back to it and be like, okay, this is what we talked about or... Um, this is what the, what, and also it's not like, it's not like I'm Mr. Dictator on that. A lot of the references in there will come from clients or if they don't, if the clients don't have reference or, or a vision of mine, then I just sort of fill in the gap, but we still know what their business goal is. Right, right, right. Okay. So what else is on the, the dashboard? What's it, what, is so the speedometer the, next? <laughs> yeah, totally. The other thing is I do biweekly one-on-one check-ins with all of my creatives, um, mm where I get to just be like, okay, you don't have to say this loud in a room in front of a bunch of people where you won't like, what's up? How are you doing? How can I help you with, you know, is it or is your computer working? Like, how can I get you 
what you need if it's not. Or we're having a big problem right now with CGI rendering and moving it between people's computers remotely. So it's a chance to problem solve and get ideas on how to, to, to do that better. Um, or, or it could just be like, I'm emotionally bummed or I'm not feeling like I'm good at this or I want to do more of that. And so yeah. I think where I got to with that too was I, I would, we do these yearly reviews that I realized were you, you need to do them in certain instances, but they were just kind of re- like pointless on a non like raise level because it was just sort of like, okay, well, everybody's goals change every month. So let's, let's be more responsive. Yeah. Don't those, sometimes those annual reviews become like this. It's almost like a big performance or show where you feel like, well, this is kind of my one moment if I'm the employee to say everything I've ever wanted to say all year long. And then you're, you're trying to collapse it all down and sum it all up. And it, I don't know, it just becomes very overthought. That's the thing. I just didn't feel like I was servicing my, my team best by doing it once a year. Um, and, and everybody works differently. That's what I found. Some people love the one-on-ones and have very clear goals that they want to keep revisiting per. And some are just sort of like, yeah, everything's cool. You know, mm-hmm. so it, and it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not, one's not better than the other. It's just the people. But I think everybody seems to respond really well to just being able to, ch- to talk. Yep. Um, yep. So that's that's one. We do our weekly sales meeting where we just go over all of our leads and our strategies. Um, we do our finance wait, meeting. Just oh, I gotta get. I gotta get, ask for one detail on that though, because it's not a monthly sales meeting. Oh yeah, it's weekly. And why? If I was, if I'm saying, gosh, that seems awfully frequent. <laughs> what would you say to that person? <laughs> well. Um, again, it, it, sometimes it is repetitive, but, but even if you catch one little thing, it's then you've, you've, then it's perfect. Like it could be like, oh, okay. The sales team in the Midwest is a little slow. Let's give them a call and see what we can shake up or, um, oh, we need to get those graphics done for the newsletter. Uh, so let's talk about it here. And if someone doesn't have time, then we'll find the other person that has time to put it together. Or we can just talk sales strategy on a, on a floating lead of some sort that someone else might know someone or have a, a backdoor in on or something. Well, and I think too, right, the pace at which most clients are making decisions in the industry. If somebody calls you and says, hey, I've got this thing and you know, maybe we should talk. If you and your team are not sort of touching and collaborating on that for a month, like it's already it's over. <laughs> oh, right? it, done. Like it it yeah. It's it's weird with sales. Like it it either it generally works really slow or extremely fast. Hmm. Like the, I like I feel like my like cold sales lead seed planting takes anywhere from nine to eighteen months. But then when it's a real lead, it can happen very quickly. Is it safe to say that the process of moving people from unaware to aware to interest is this long planting seeds along the road as you go and the sun comes up, the sun goes down many, many times. There's many phases of the moon. But then once something starts to grow, meaning someone has intent, like I have a need, it's defined, it's a real project, it's got a real deadline, then all of a sudden it's boom, boom, boom. Things fall into place pretty quickly. Yeah, 100%. I'm convinced, and I think that that lead time could, or the 
the the point to the point of interest, like from cold lead to we're calling you, we're interested in you. I think that can be condensed significantly um, in a perfect world. Because I think what that I've translated to me at least what I think that that means that both ends of it is it's a trust game. So they're trying to take nine to eighteen months, sometimes faster, to decide if they can trust you enough to give you or at least invite you to pitch on some business. Right. By the time you get to that pitch, they trust you in some capacity enough that that you don't have to overly you're almost like you're almost it's almost I I think there's an argument that can be made that when you're pitching, you're giving them a reason not to trust you actually versus decide if they want you. Meaning or no, meaning or, meaning that's the that's your moment to potentially blow it. In some ways, I mean, it's it, it goes both ways. It's your it's your it's your it's your moment to win. It's your moment not to win. I guess it's sort of like, yeah, maybe what I way, maybe right? what I heard you say there is that when you're pitching, if you aren't if you haven't already established trust, then you're not going to win, no matter how cool the idea is. Right. Exactly. If you've already got it, you've got to have that like it's table stakes just to get into the pitch and truly be considered, you've got to be in a position of trust. Yep. Yeah. Uh, it, something else I just heard you saying when you were talking about cold outreach and some of your seed planting and stuff, I I think it's just noteworthy because when I look at PGA, I think creative director type role, right? That's that's kind of what the way I, I think of you and I think most people would, would think of you. But then when I hear about all of this discipline that you bring to the sales piece of it, I find myself saying, man, you aren't just talking, you're walking this this game. So you're part of your sales team as uh meaning you're you're living it out yourself. You're not just saying, hey, salespeople, go get us jobs. Oh, 100%. Like I um I work with my sales team to I build all the capabilities decks. When we do capabilities meetings, I tag team with them to to present the work on the creative side and they present it on the the uh, production side, but I'm very hands-on with a lot of the sales. Because um, is that something that you maybe put a quarter of your time into just in, in terms of how you invest? Yeah, time in I would say totally. I'd say, I think that's pretty accurate because the feedback I got was that it adds authenticity and ultimately trust. If there's a creative speaking to our work on our sales presentations or capabilities decks um, versus you know, and I think I think there's a certain. It makes sense to me. I think people, especially if you're talking to an ad agency full of creatives, they want to be able to feel like they're talking shop with the with the maker for it to to, to create that trust and rapport. I think. So I'm wondering if, if can I bounce an interesting analogy off of you, and I want to see if you agree or disagree. So very often in sales, we talk about dating as an analogy, <laughs> right? It's sure. a familiar analogy. Uh, I was talking with somebody recently, and Tim and I talked about this today. Um, on a live stream to the creative studio owner out there who might say, we just need to get a rep, right? We just need a really great salesperson. And then when that person comes along, they're just going to go, you know, go find my dream client, go get me that soulmate that I've been looking for. Who's going to, you know, bring us all these awesome projects and so forth. And I said, you know, it's a little bit to me, it feels like, if you're a busy professional, it's like going to a dating service and saying, go find me my soulmate. 
Is that something that you really, like, you certainly can't abdicate that. I don't even know that you can really delegate it because there's certain matters, and you use the word authenticity. There's certain, yeah. I don't know, there's, there's a certain authenticity that no one else can represent you when it comes to your vision, your point of view, your heart, your soul. Um, anyways, I'm just curious if you find that you find something in that analogy to be, to be true. It's, um, partially. Yes. I think with sales reps, they, they get, they get, they have a tough rep. They, I think it, where I think that makes sense and works is when, the sales rep is trying to be too broad or too general and just being like, okay, well, we just work with all types of companies within production or advertising. I think then, it, and I know you know where I'm going with this, but when they get specialized and focused and pick a lane, then they're an extension of you and you an extension of them because they know, brand, said brand knows what they're getting, or at least they know what they're getting into. And what I mean by that, like we have a, we have on our most, almost all of our sales reps right now are animation specific. So while they might have other animation companies on their roster that they represent, they, they, they know, and they're selling what their clients know that they'll be consistently getting, which is a high quality of, of animation. And so in that sense, it becomes, but we've worked with sales reps in the past that work with like, I mean, Everything, sound design, AR, production, live action, food, animation, CGI. And then it's just that then that's where it just then you're just throwing shit up in the sky. And if it lands, it lands. Well, and maybe I'm overworking the analogy, but it's a little bit like if a if a dating service went out and said, OK, I've got a client. He's looking for his soulmate and uh, he's a guy. So therefore, he's looking for a woman and any woman will do. You know, any shape, size, any values, any personality traits, like whatever, just bring it to me. And then, you know, I'll convince you whether or not you two are a good fit. As opposed to my client is uh, in, it's a Myers-Briggs type of uh, ENTJ and he's an Enneagram 4 and he's looking for somebody uh, of aged 50 to 54 <laughs> who already has kids but is empty nester you know what i mean you get the you get where the analogy is going so there's a certain specificity that makes it legitimate and maybe um i 100 i am all about specificity like not not so much so that you're putting yourself in some really subversive or 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 obscure corner that that you know thwarts your business but i think the more mostly more specialized you can be the better i mean because look it's again like it's not about us it's about the client putting yourself in their shoes they have a million things going on like you and i do they have a lot of pressure a lot of money on the line and they want to be able to feel like they can trust whom they're 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 working with even before they get started and and nothing conveys that like consistency like you know i think i mean us too but like i'll give you an example because we're friends with them like marcel and state like you i mean besides them being truly creatively awesome and just the nicest dudes in the world you go to their site or see their portfolio and you are not confused as to what you're gonna get no like like you know what i mean and i don't think that that's accidental i mean people call it style and whatever but but it's it's trust like 
you're like, okay, I, I know what I'm getting. I'm getting like, well, yeah. And, and I would say the style is even a surface way to describe a deeper reality that is a, a set of values, a set of beliefs, a, a why. But of course, we yeah. see it and we say, oh, that's style. But it's it's actually way more than that. And of course, if you get to know Marcel, you say, oh. Now I see where this comes from. Yeah, and, and that's the thing about it. Those guys don't do one, or and you know they don't do one single thing. They're not just doing like liquid two D cell animation and only that and nothing else. Like <clears throat> they do all kinds of things, but they're but the, but it's clear what you're you're getting. And I think that that, that it, sometimes it's hard to explain, but that clarity makes all the difference. All right. Well, you you've of course teed me up beautifully to start talking about one of my favorite things, which is positioning, right? Yeah, which has been such a part of our journey together. And I, I, I heard you say something a second ago, and I thought this might be kind of fun to unpack. And it's this idea of specializing, because I think m many people listening, when they hear PJ say, yeah, you really got to be very narrowly focused and specialized, they might think, oh, so in other words, instead of being uh, a 3D shop, we should be a 3D shop that does liquid simulations, you know, and rotoscoping or something like, and and I would say, I don't think that's what you mean. That's certainly not what I would mean in terms of specializing. Because that's a, that's a specializing uh, a, according to a discipline or to a, yeah. a skill set, um, which isn't bad. But when you think of laundry specializing, if it's not disciplines, what is the, what is the focus? Yeah, that's a good question. I think it, and it's it's kind of like chasing a dragon a little bit sometimes. At least when years ago when I was trying to understand it, but I think where I've I've netted out is that we are we we just take a very bold, colorful approach to solving our brand problems, and that could be with live action, that could be with two D animation or CG animation. Um, the the technique almost doesn't matter, but but there but what we do a lot of of different things over and over consistently, but we just have a really colorful take on it. That, that's just like, that's, that's bold. I don't know. And would colorful maybe be not just literal, but figurative. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have this and you know, cause you helped me work on it. it we have the, our, our, our mantra, you know, the, the, we're the artists, misfits and experts of the unexpected. And so I think, what that means is that we we try to be more courageous with our creative solutions if we're if we're allowed to. Um, sometimes, and it, I, I used to think that it was it was boring, but I, and now I realize it just is it's just how business goes. Like sometimes they have a plan of what they want already in in place, and they just are coming to us because they trust we can get it done. Mm -hmm. But sometimes they don't, or and and sometimes it's hard to know the difference. So what we do is we'll present what we think that they're asking for just in case that is what it has to be. And then we'll present a wild card approach that, that takes that and what the goal is and finds a much more unexpected way to, to get there. Um, well, I love that, um, you know, in that process that we went through when we, we not only discovered or, or created some of that language, that whole idea of wild card was something that had always been there. It just wasn't yeah. something that you were expressing, right? It was, you weren't putting it out there. And then once you, there was this moment, right, when you and I were in this in this bar in in uh, in L.A. and you were like, "No, no, no! Now that we kind of know what we've always known, but we're clear about it, I'm able to walk into a, a meeting, a presentation, a pitch, whatever, and have this 
really rock-solid clarity of who we are and what we do and why we're there. And that confidence has translated into way improving our success rate and so forth. And I, yeah. and I thought, wow, that's incredible because it was always there, but it just had never been clarified. hundred percent. And, and, and that, I know that sounds, I know it's not what creatives expect, but that again comes back to that system and routine. Mm. So like, we know, like we know, even when we don't know that we need to pitch this straight down the middle one. And then we need to, whatever the correct, whatever we decide crazy is going to be this wild card approach. And then that way it's like, it also, and that's not to say we don't win every pitches. No one does, but, but, or every lead, but at least we know, like, cause that's one of the things I often hear, especially with my new creatives of like, well, I don't know how crazy I should go. And it's just like, well, why don't we not? And then why don't we go completely off the Richter scale, whatever that is. Isn't it funny how when you go, when you, it's what I call the recommend, right? Or the ask, like, like we're going to pitch Here's the ask, which is usually the bronze, right? Then here's the recommend. We really hope that you do this because we think it really solves the problem. And then there's that crazy, mind-blowing, nutty thing. But if you haven't presented the other two, it's really hard to go in and present that bold, colorful, insane thing because you know there's a good chance the client is just going to freak out and be scared. But if they see the others, they go, okay, wow, that's amazing. That solves the problem. But what is that? Oh, 100%. It's like, and we joke about it all the time, but you, I, my, the way I look at it is what you're presenting the first idea just to know, just to give them the trust that they're being heard. Yes. And, and sometimes they're going with that. And mm-hmm. then you're like, okay, I hear you, but, and, and that's the, that's the economical way that you think you want, but here's the Ferrari. Like, you, you know what I mean? And, and sometimes they can't afford the Ferrari or they don't want the Ferrari, but they want to know that they can have it or that it's there, even if they don't go with it. Yeah, would you agree with this statement? Like, as the creative entrepreneur, as the, as the studio, it's your you have this enormous power to take your clients to places they didn't know that they could go. Oh, 100 percent. And right, that and that's is... kind of why they're really coming to you. It, it, well, hundred percent. If they're if they're great clients, right? If they really are wanting to make an impact in the world and solve an interesting business problem, then they're 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 going to hopefully be approaching you and saying. Please, PJ, can you show me what's possible that I don't see? What do you see? Yeah. And that's yeah. a fun place to be. But here's the thing that gets really, that I missed for many, many years on that. It's not just about big, crazy ideas. It's about craft and polish and execution. And I don't mean polishes and everything has to be shiny, but like the, the visuals have to back up the idea whether they're crazy or conservative like they still need to be very well crafted they need to be charming they need to give you you need to look at them and fall in love with them um and and that's it's not that that's not a given but like i think sometimes and and i think less is more too in my opinion Hmm. like like i don't think you have to do you know 20 style frames for six different ideas into this 100 page deck um, in fact, I strongly, strongly recommend not doing that. <laughs> well, I think <laughs> like, when, uh, when I first, when we first got to know each other, that was one of the, th- the, the techniques that was kind of hosing you at the time was jumping into a pitch and saying, well, we just couldn't help ourselves. Here's 20 different ideas. And it just c- led to confusion rather than, oh, you guys are so prolific. I trust you. It's more like, 
you guys are all over the place. Well, that and that that's where it works against you 100%. percent we we burned ourselves on that a trillion times. Like it is first off, especially now at home, people get deck fatigue. Like if they, if you have to walk someone through 15 concepts of three or four pages of design each like that, I mean, they'll it, you're even if yeah. they're good, you're, you're not going to you're toast. The other part of it is they are it's like calling the plumber. They're calling you because you're an expert and they trust you. So tell them what you think it needs to be. And not that you can't give them options because everybody likes options. But like when they're saying what's your favorite, they're truly, I have said this to you before, they're asking you as an expert what you recommend. Yeah, I, I, uh, I got called out so bad once back in my day <laughs> when, I was, when I was PJ Light. And I, had, I was pitching to the CMO. And I remember um, me and my team were pitching all of our concepts. We had concept one, concept two, concept three. It was only three concepts. But still, at the end of the presentation, he's like, Joel, which of these do you like best? And I said, well, I really like concept one. He's like, oh, really? Why? And I said, well, I think it solves the business problem best. And it's this, and it's that. And he goes, then why'd you show me all this other shit? Yeah, totally. And I'm like, oh, I was busted. Because what he was really calling me out on was, you and I both know concept number two and number three are not nearly as good as number one. So I'm, gonna, I'm awarding you the job. Go do number one, but don't ever show me this crap again. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 totally. I know, I know. Yeah, I bet That's you've the been thing. there many times. Oh, yeah. And it's and everybody works, everybody, uh, clients all handle that a little differently, but 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 generally speaking, yeah, like I, I, get, I get a lot of shit even at our studio because I have absolutely no problem going in with One Direction. <laughs> wow. Yeah? And, yeah, and, why, yeah, yeah. and does, I, I, does your does the team just are they just terrified, nervous, like, oh my gosh, that's just way too ballsy? Uh yeah, the risk is they don't like one idea versus maybe seeing one something out of three. Um, you know, uh so uh, but I I definitely now granted, I don't send send a single PDF page of a piece of art and say, Do you like it? Like I put a ton of pages of process and strategy and thought behind what their ask is and what we're solving and all that. But right. well, I, I, I'm, I'm curious to hear because now that it, you're, you're multiple years into the carving out a positioning that was narrow and the, the whole experts of the unexpected and the wild card and so forth. Did, does that continue to serve laundry? Well, even despite the pandemic and all the other, crazy pivoting that you had to go through does it just does it continue to serve you and the business well yeah absolutely i think um i think i think yeah it does we 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 all kind of come at it still from the same spirit that that hasn't really unwavered at all um, in fact we were working on just some rebranding of, of of our internal assets uh mainly just from actually no one really had much interest in rebranding from our usual creative enthusiasm it was sort of like okay we just got to get these assets all to look like they're consistent okay um but it but it did kind of bring up the 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 mantra and we're like yeah no it works it's it's still exactly who we are and how we approach it um it holds up it holds up yeah i mean i continue to hold it up and i i'm uh i'm thrilled that it just is not it's not i don't know losing its relevance anytime soon no, it's very uh, simple and and sort of functional for for just kind of like the, the mechanisms of how our industries kind of work. 
All right, so let's circle back because I think I, I cut you off when we were talking about the uh, the dashboard on the car, right? If I'm driving, okay. if you're dri- as you're driving laundry down the road, uh, and there were there were maybe one or two systems and routines that we didn't get to because you were about to go into something finance related, and I and I cut you off, and that was to 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 uh, my my bad. That was 20 minutes ago. <laughs> oh no, no worries, no worries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, there's only there's only a couple more. I think. We do a weekly roll-up meeting where all of us get on creatives and producers to check the profitability of each job. Um, and the the reason that that is great besides just not blowing all of our budgets is that it also gives us a chance to figure out because um, creatives, you know, we like to we like to work without constraints, but it helps us kind of manage making sure we stay on the rails somewhat. Um, or if and or if we're not, then we can figure out okay. This, what can we do to be to be more efficient here or there? Um, but it also helps us understand even at the beginning of jobs where where it's going to go. Um, so that's pretty interesting. And is that roll up meeting uh, you and the producers? Who else is who else is present? Uh, 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 Jason, our CFO or temp CFO or, or and external uh, CFO. <laughs> external CFO, that's that's a good way to explain it. And then our, our finance, our business manager, and then all of our EPs and producers and creative directors. So oh, so the CDs are on it. Yep. Okay. Well that's interesting because you know there's this there's this column on a roll up that I God, I wish I'd had this column. And th- this is gonna sound so simple, but I, I'm curious if, if you've found this to be an impactful metric to measure. And it's the column called estimated costs remaining like it's that number where you say okay sure of this fifty thousand dollar thing we've we've spent forty thousand so of course we have ten thousand dollars left to spend but what's the estimate from my producer of what it's actually going to take to get it done because she might say yeah, I know we've got $10,000 left, but there's no freaking way we're get, I'm getting it done for $10,000 because, because, because. And that's really the heart and soul of the roll-up meeting, right, is that conversation. So we kind of have a different version of that. We have the, the percentage profitability of it. So, like, if it's negative, we know we don't have any room. Right. <laughs> like then we got to really be like, okay, let's talk about overages or whatever it needs to be. Um, but uh, I find it interesting that creatives are in that meeting because it's basically a production and a finance uh, report that you're walking through. But if creatives are there, why? Why are creatives part of that meeting? Well, because they're the ones that say, I need more animation time or design time. They're, they're, they're the... They're the problem. They're the, yeah, they're basically <laughs> I'm the, the problem. What's funny is they're, I'm the problem. They're these. Yeah, you guys are the spenders. You're the ones that are actually. Yeah, we're the ones pulling the, the trigger. That's that's exactly it. So it it, it creates uh, a sense of of uh, you know fiscal responsibility for everybody involved. But it's not like an us versus them type of thing either. It really is a collaboration of like, okay, well, how can we work on this? It helps with focus too, because like we may as creatives think like, oh, we need to do three or four days of exploration on this one thing and it's like and then we can all talk and be like actually what if we just focus it down to these two things and then that'll save us three days of exploration because we don't need to and do is there ever that moment when you because you're looking at all the jobs at once in one meeting it's pretty easy to say well this job's ahead this one's behind let's rob peter pay paul and we'll get both of these in a good place 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, the other thing too is that we we because when we create our estimates, we create we enter them in the rollup before the job starts. So mm-hmm. we know and we know exactly what it's going to project at, and we can agree mm-hmm. upon that. If it's going to come in under, we know, and we almost it rarely never we rarely miss our marks. Like I, I, our producers are rock stars. We yeah, never it, ever. Isn't it surprising like, how how much in, that's like an instinct that great producers have. And I'm guessing you have it too, as a creative and as a uh, an owner. It's what I call the feels like about right. Like you can almost look at a brief yeah. and say that's probably going to be 125 to 145. And damn it, you'll come in almost like within five percent every time. Hundred percent. That's <laughs> the thing about it, and that's where it's like, and it's a little bit of like you you you're kind of just going to figure it out any which way. Yeah. Like, I mean, unless it's like completely off the mark, like, but, but for the most part, you'll, you'll, you'll kind of, you'll get, you'll get, (laughs) you'll get creative. Yes. And this is what Um, we get, right. This is what we get paid to do every day as, as the creative entrepreneur is like, okay, we don't have enough time. We don't have enough money. Guess what? And I think that's where the, I, I mean, not to, beat a dead horse here but but that's where the the consistency and the routines really help with that because it calls your attention to focus on how to be efficient for any number of different things but yeah. if, but it's harder to do that if you don't do it consistently and check in frequently yeah because i know like the production roll-up meeting and i'm guessing these are probably like you probably go through all say 15 jobs in a pretty quick clip like i'm guessing it's a half hour meeting maybe yep Exactly. Yeah. And uh, less, it's actually less than that. Like today we did ours in 12 minutes, maybe. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. But, I, but here's what I know is when you start that routine, the first one takes an hour and you think there's no way I cannot spend an hour every freaking week talking through all this crap. And then of course, like you said, what was your thing earlier when you said the more you do it, the better you get it, the easier it becomes like the knife gets sharper and sharper and sharper. So now you do, you're going through. You're you're basically covering all the top level uh, data on a job in less than sixty seconds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you know, you have you. It's it's a little bit like a. It's a little bit like a like it's exponential because you'll already have covered off on major chunks the first meeting for one job that you don't have to fully revisit from scratch each time. You're just kind of adding a brick onto it. And sometimes, I mean, we all have so much going on, we forget and we have to come back and, and re-examine something. But for the most part, you can assume that that chunks of it have been sort of covered off on and agreed upon. So it, it's not like having to, it's just not such a heavy lift. Right, I mean, it's not like you're dissecting every single project. It's mostly like green light, green light, green light. Oh, yellow light, what's going on there? Green light, green light, green light, Ooh, red light. Oh, we got to fix a yep. major problem here. And then you're done, that's the meeting. Yeah, and you just know where the just, again. You just know where the problems are, and and but you catch them before they're huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then was what's the other one routine you were going to describe? Uh, well, I have two. Well, a couple more, but the, we had, we do a weekly finance meeting just with the with the with the owners and managing directors, just about general like cash flow stuff, and that's good too because then we know again with Jason, we we know like pretty much. I mean, you're all it, you guys are everything taught us this and it was scary at first but it's you just know you you're always gonna it's hard to make this not sound alarmist but you're always gonna run out of money it it, mathematically speaking so it's just a review of like okay in 
12 weeks or 18 weeks, we're going to, you know, this is where it goes red and, and runs out. And it's just to kind of keep an eye on that. Um, also, a big thing for us this year that's unusual is that we've booked a lot of work that will award it, but then it doesn't start for like three months. And so it gives us a chance to be like, okay, so cash flow looks rosy, but really it's not because we have to hold on to this money for this production later. So we'll, we'll strategize as to what to move around so that we don't prematurely spend for something that hasn't started. Sure. Cause more than, yeah, roughly half of that money is, is, is completely spent. It's just not yet spent, but it's, it's, it's obligated. <laughs> yeah. And so it just becomes a, a, a game of, of putting it in the right rooms that don't get spent on other stuff. <laughs> right. And is, uh, it, it, okay. See, I'll, I'll say this because that whole idea of how long until we run out of money, um, that's true for all of us, right? Like even our yeah. personal finances, it's like, okay, I've got in my personal checking account, right? If I just, if I don't make another penny, how, how much longer can I pay my mortgage and my car bill or whatever till yeah. I run out of money? But with a creative business, yeah, there's, what's interesting is there's such an incredible prof <laughs> profound difference between we are upside down and run out of money in three weeks versus 13, Yeah. right? Because if you say 13, it's like, oh, we've got a lot of decisions we can make over the next 13 weeks to affect that future. Right. But if we've only got three weeks, we're just in crisis mode. Right. And we've been on both ends of it. It's, 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 um, it's just different types of decisions you have to make. Um, and it, it uh, one's obviously better than the other, but, but it, it, any which way, the more information you know, the better decisions you can make. Yeah, and 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 there's that sense of you. If it's 13 weeks out, you sort of have 13 weeks to think about it, and to ponder it, and to marinate on it, and see how it interplays with other variables, right? Yeah. As opposed to you know the way most people manage a business, it, it, God forbid, they just open up their checking account and they look at the balance and they say, well, there's money in there. Okay, great. Back to work. I, I mean, that is, that's the classic uh, creative person, how they manage their finances. And that's, that's zero weeks visibility. That's just saying, well, I've got cash right now. <laughs> I don't want to bore everybody with the, the itty-bittiness of it. But like, there's never a scenario where we're like, okay, it's good. It's there. We're not going to do anything. Like, it's, it's, we're either, we're either figuring out how to, you know, it's like, okay, we have money now. Okay, let's pay taxes. Or we don't, and it's tight. Let's hit the sales harder. It's it's basically just an indicator of where to put emphasis. Yeah, yeah. And has that led to, um, I'll ask this, has it led to a certain amount of uh, sleeping better at night or just like having more of a, like, oh, I can kind of feel my pulse and I can check it? And it's generally fine. It's generally fine. Oh, wait, today it's racing. What, yeah. What's going on? And then, but there is a certain, uh, certain ability, I think, of just you start to gain like a feel for how things ebb and how they flow. And there's a natural rhythm and it becomes somewhat normal to run out of money in, in 12 weeks. And you're like, I'm okay with that. I can sleep fine because I know for the past year, we've always been at the point of we're going to run out of money in 12 weeks. And then we go to work and we sell. 
and we produce and we bill and we deposit and and uh, and the cycle goes on yeah and it's it 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 speaks to to something that's i mean it's just any business is it's not isolated or singular you're sort of like okay this is going sales is going marketing's going production's going and they're all they all kind of as long as they're all sort of full throttle they all kind of i think it be i think you start to trust the that it's going to work out because of the consistency of it but if anyone is not consistent that's usually my red flag now versus like oh my god are we going to run out or not run out because of anything um i, I definitely look i almost measure i measure it more by effort in these different categories than than just reacting to the money yeah even though their systems sort of related yeah right but those systems and routines uh give you that feedback loop they they give you that visibility right yeah yeah like i actually i freak out not so much on the cash flow but on the lack of consistency like if i know the salespeople aren't doing their outreach consistently enough well i know there's gonna be a dip somewhere and that interesting but somehow you have visibility to the amount of outreach that's occurring is what I'm hearing. Well, yeah, because we do our weekly sales meeting. Uh-huh. <laughs> <I see> like, <laughs> so you know, like, oh, we only did 20 outreaches instead of 30 or instead of 40. Like, uh-oh, uh-oh. Like 45 days from now, I just know that I know that I know. This yeah, is well, also it's more nuanced than that. Like we have a master contacts list where when people reach out, they initialize it and put the date so I can tell when, when there's been – for myself and others when we've been reaching out or not reaching out. Um, wow. We do, we do a monthly or yeah, we do a monthly newsletter in, and I, I read the, I check the data on that to see how effective it is or isn't to where, so we can improve on it, that kind of a thing. <laughs> you're, um, you're a beast. So you're keeping an eye on the marketing even. Oh yeah. hundred <laughs> uh, percent. You and I have had like a, a little friendly sparring <laughs> o- o- over the years. And sometimes it's been like, in, even in social media, because you know I, I have this myth that I, that I despise called, it's all about the work, right? If we just produce great work, the rest will take care of itself. And you've always come back and said, well, wait a minute, the work has to be great. And because without great work, we're not getting anywhere. And I, I wouldn't disagree with that. But I will say you have, in a way, made my case throughout this podcast called, it's amazing how you do have to keep your eye and have visibility into marketing, into sales, into production, into finance, right? Um, so I don't know. Is would you? Uh, could I possibly talk you into agreeing with my <laughs> my theory that it's not all about the work? <laughs> yeah. So we're going to do a marriage of the minds here because I, I I see where you're coming from and I agree with you in 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 the sense of this. So it's not. It's only about the work if you do something with it. Like, mm. it, like for mm. instance, it's not about the work if you don't it, – it's – all right, I'm kind of dancing around this. If you do great work and just put it on your website and wait for someone to hire you, it's absolutely not going to happen. There um, you go. But if you take that great work and actively put it in front of people frequently, you're going to get something. And okay, so this is this is really cool because would you not agree that there is a misconception, and I'll say amongst perhaps the the younger people that are entering the, in the industry, 
that if I just create something, if my shop just creates something so cool and so amazing and I put it up on Instagram, my phone's going to ring. And you're, and in so many words, you're saying either probably not, or maybe just a hard no. I'd say uh, hard no. I think you would have to get very, very, it, it happens, but I think you'd have to get very lucky and have a lot of variables line up to, 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 to nail it in one shot. I think it's frankly more likely yeah. not. My analogy is if somebody came to me and said, Hey, I want to work in the music industry. And I said, great. What's your business plan? They said, I'm going to go write a hit record. I would say, okay, good luck with that. Um, yeah. Because there's just you don't have control over the variables of whether or not the right person hears it and the label signs it and the, the people distribute it, blah, 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 blah. So same thing in our world. Like you could create the most just eye-melting, scintillating, innovative thing the world has ever freaking seen and then nobody sees it. The people that need it, want it, would love to buy it. They don't happen to, They don't know about it because they've never met you. They don't trust you. There's just all these other variables that you can't control. So it feels like, feels like you're trying to hit a, write a hit song and hoping that it somehow climbs the charts and you're in the top ten and, and you're a jillionaire. And I think it's even extra impossible to do that when you're younger and just starting out. Like I think it's I think you're I think you're you're, um, I think you're I think it's I just think it's very difficult and if not impossible. Like I'll give you a good analogy. There's this the fashion designer Virgil Abloh who I adore. Creatively, he's the he's basically a head designer at um, men's designer at Louis Vuitton, and people are like, "Oh my god, an overnight success!" Absolutely not. That guy grinded for twenty years, like put in. I mean, just didn't try to go for the one hit wonder at all. Just put in a ton of work every single day in as many different places as he could get it, and it it built up to a level of trust and expertise that got you know what seems like an overnight sensation. That absolutely wasn't, um, and you see that all the time, all the time, right? Like you see, like we, I, I, we actually growing up. This is an even more accurate story. Uh, we like Tony, my business partner, went to college at um, UC Santa Cruz with uh, Akiva Schaefer, who's one of the members of Lonely Island, the the comedy group, and and Andy Samberg and Yorma, and like they all of a sudden, you know. We're on Saturday Night Live, but that's not at all what happened. We'd hang out with those guys, and they were—they literally carried a, a clipboard. I still remember to this case where they're writing down ideas, no matter where they were, everywhere, and were making digital short films every couple of days, and just kept getting better and better, sharpening those knives. And then suddenly, they're on Saturday Night Live, which was not at all sudden if you saw behind the scenes. Yeah, that's the uh... and putting it out there, mind you. I think that's the most important part. Yeah, I remember one time being interviewed and somebody was kind of doing that whole like, oh my gosh, how did all this happen for you and your studio? And I said, look, it just, you know, it just took, it just took 10 years to be an overnight success. And that's, totally. it's always what the way it plays out. So I have, so I have, I have two more questions and, but this, this one you just, you know, triggered in me as like a reminder, because when I look at you and I think about how you continue to put in the work like you just described, carrying the notebook and jotting down every note and so forth. I'm really curious to know what, how the heck are you still so prolific as a creative individual? 
because dude, I know, you know, I know a bit what it's like to walk a mile in your shoes, but yet it feels like every day, just about I hit my Instagram feed or my LinkedIn and here's some freaking hilarious or brilliant or whatever animation that PJ's cranked out. And I just think what, what, what the hell? How is this? How does he have the time to? It's not just make it, execute it. It's to think of it, to play with it, to experiment with it, to to, to be up to speed with the software, all these kinds of things. What's what? What what's going on? Do you sleep? Yeah, I do. No, yeah, I get I get a good eight nine hours a night. Um, oh, good. <laughs> it uh, yeah, it's a good question that I get asked. It gets it comes up a lot now because of the because of there's so many of them. But I, I think. Where I got to was that we would get asked, we get inquiries about all kinds of different creative work that we could totally do, but didn't have perfect examples of, right? Like people wanted us to work with us, but they're like, but you do this one sort of character style that's popular right now. We're like, no, but we can. Like, oh, sorry. And so I just, I got really frustrated with that. I was like, okay, I'm going to just make stuff that's based on what I'm asked about all the time. And, and again, it's it, the, the, sort of like the knife sharpening thing. The more I make it, the better I'll get at it. And then I can decide if I want to keep doing that because I like it or because it feels like it's meeting the need or I can pivot because I'm getting asked about this other thing. And so like that's, you know, and, and, and it really just comes down to, um, you know, do I watch Netflix for three hours or two hours a night or do I, do I just work on this for a couple hours? And um, yeah, it's interesting because I, the, the perception from where I sit is there's a certain tenacity, but also playfulness that you're bringing to the craft of, yeah, I'm just continuing to play and experiment and try things. And that, to me, I have such respect for those mad chops, considering you could totally sit back and be like, hey, team, make this thing for me, do that, whatever. But you're still, you know, got your hands in the sausage. Well, here's the thing of it. It, it. Two things. It's actually freeing to just make stuff without the constraints of, of strategies or clients or multiple cooks <laughs> in the kitchen. I can just I can just see something and make it. And then the other part of it is it's actually really freeing because I don't have to spend much time on it. it it's sort of like, okay, I got a day to figure this out. I'm not going to overthink it. Today, like yes, last night's character, I made this the funny bunny and it was supposed to be just a person in a suit. And then I was like, ah, oh, well put a, cat, a rabbit's head on it. And, and it's in, by the time I get it done, I just, I just don't overthink it. I'm on to the next thing. I think there's like the lack of permanence just makes it easier to just keep outputting. Um, the other part of it that is really important to me is, you know, we talk about expertise, right? And so like in, in our, in our era, like, again, like if, Media is posted so frequently and people absorb so much information, they they need something new and fresh. So if I make one content piece a year and expect that that's going to sit with people with how much content they absorb, it, I'm gravely mistaken. And so yeah. by, by posting something every day on purpose, it just keeps it sort of top, top of mind. It also keeps me way more focused on my client work too. Because um, wow, I can be like, so interesting. yeah, like I can just... be like, okay, this is how Redshift works. I can tell you, like, adjust this setting versus me being like, well, I think it needs to be shinier. And they're like, well, what's shiny? And you're like, no, no, I need to do this roughness pass in Redshift and then render it this way. I can be more specific because I'm in it more. 
Well, oh. I, I, this almost adds more credence to, right, that youngster who's opening his shop and thinking, if I just make this one, right, I'm going to step up to the plate and I'm going to hit this grand slam and just round the bases and everyone's going to come home and I'm going to win the game and get the gold medal, what have you. And you're saying, you know, just just bunt, man. Just keep bunting and bunting, 100%. And, bunting and bunting and bunting. 100% keep bunting. And eventually you'll have the, the whatever it is to, to hit it a little farther. But you're, I think, I don't think, I wouldn't expect anybody to, to think that they could hit a home run or, or expect to on the first swing, you know? Like it's, it's, well, um, it's amazing. Kind of what you said was, you know what? A grand slam once a year is nothing compared to bunting something every day for 365 times. Totally. And like you're going you know, to score a lot more runs <laughs> if you bunt 365 times than if you hit one grand slam. Also, the end result barely matters to me at this point. Like, I'm not thinking like, oh, this has to be perfect at all. I'm, I'm, I don't even think about it because here's one thing, too, is and I and I it's I've gone through this process where I'm like, I'm like, oh, this one's fucking awesome. And I do it. And you're like, wah, wah, wah. And then the ones that I don't think about at all are like I, I make and I'm like, oh, that's cool. Like. And, and, and it just doesn't, I mean, life happens, you know, like who it's knows like, what's going to resonate, right? Like I'm sure you've, you've created stuff and then people light up about it and you're like, really? That's the one that got traction. Okay. hundred percent. And the other thing is there's, there is something for everybody and everybody likes different things, but they won't know about anything they like until they don't see it or until they see it. Right. Until it's in front of them. And again, it's a trust game. Like if I'm posting every day, they're going to be like, oh, that guy must know about that. I'm going to give him a call. In fact, I, I got a client recently because of those posts that for that exact reason. See, there's an interesting, there's an interesting, uh, what's the thing here I'm going for? There's an interesting subtext by you being so prolific and posting every day or so that I, that I've observed and you just put your finger on it. And that is, I get the distinct impression that PJ is actually really into the craft and he's into the fun and the play and the design, the experimentation, because if he wasn't, he wouldn't do this every day. He would oh, instead say, oh, I'm going to do this once or twice a year. I'm going to show you my grand slam and hopefully get a bunch of projects and clients and, and accolades for it. But instead, I trust, in a way, I sort of trust you because I realize you're just creating a lot of times for the sake of creating. Oh, I love it. Like I love, like I go, I go on pay, I follow or I'm subscribed to a lot of people on Patreon where I take, learn their tutorials. And I, I'm like, I'm searching Pinterest and Behance for inspiration and dribble and sketching. I love it. I, I, I think that's probably the only way that it's possible. I mean, there, the, all that what I have said to you up until this point about it is, or I'd say almost like the benefits of it, but like I, 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 I could do this on an island alone with a, you know, with a computer and still be very satisfied. As long as this island has electricity and internet good. and fiber, <laughs> yes, yeah. and internet because you can't get <laughs> dribble out there. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. <laughs> All right, did I did we miss any of your systems or routines you wanted to cover? Because I just have one last question. No, I don't think so. Um, okay. No. So here's my last question. It's like this looking ahead to the future and kind of what what gets us out of bed in the morning. Um, I'm sensing, and I think some of the people I've had on the podcast, the other owners out there, uh, likewise sensing it, that there's this potential for this renaissance that might be coming in this post-COVID world. And I'm just really curious to hear from you, 
Do you sense that, or 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 what is it that makes you most excited when you look into the future? I don't know if there's a renaissance coming of any kind. I I I, I I've long given up on trying to predict the future. Uh, but let's see, what is the future hold? I think it's the I think the future is going to be for the proactive. Like, and what I mean by that is the people that are not waiting for markets or waiting for clients or waiting for trends, but like that are constantly just making, experimenting and sharing and, and into some ways, even disregarding the like client brings me a job workflow. And, and I mean, that, there's always going to be that, but I think the people that, that don't wait and are proactive and make things and constantly output are, I think that's, that's the world we're living in um, on a variety of levels. And does, and does that excite you? Hundred percent. When you say that, do you find yourself saying, "Oh man, I'm that's what really like, gets me out of Oh yeah, mind. like I, I get like on a technology and creative level. Like I think, you know, like there's the beeples of the world that post every day crazy, super crazy shit, or or and and not just that style, but tons of people like that. There's also the people that are technologically experimenting, that are outputting, and, and then basically clients find them to to basically you know, put their logo on it. And I, th I love that type of world. I think that's really exciting to me. I think, you know, I'm, I'm very, very fascinated by real time rendering using game engines for, for CGI rendering. I think that's going to be insane. And, and I keep seeing new applications of it. It's not just like video games. Like I, there's this guy, this Turkish, I think he's Turkish. I don't even know his name, but he does these particle renders in unreal on giant screens in museums that are just, insane like i think like you know i mean there, there's always going to be a client studio relationship that's just the way that humans work transactionally but there's this whole other side of like uh, of just makers and i, I think that, that i think with the internet it's 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 going to just get more and more um, yeah i'm 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 thinking i could think of several examples too but i will just agree in in general that the uh there's this wild idea and think, think of it, right? The idea is, imagine if you lived in a world where you come up with a really, really cool idea and then somebody pays you to go make it. Yeah. It's a little bit of what you're describing. I, I, I boiled it down and maybe oversimplified it, but in a way, that's a bit of what you're describing. Oh, it's a, it totally is. And it's a, it's such an open market now. So here's one thing that I think COVID's helped kind of... We were already kind of doing this, so it wasn't all that new to us, but... The world is literally your oyster of collaboration. Like it used to be that we just mm. hire a local LA or San Francisco freelancer, and that was that. And we still do, but like we work with people all over the world that do some insane things. And in some ways, it's just about us just kind of being trusted to create the play, the sandbox for them to do their magic. But like it's forced us to participate and collaborate with people everywhere that do in beautiful things and that's where i think the future is that's really exciting like i i, I that is i exciting. get really really like i already do i work with people like on any given project i probably have working with someone on two or three different continents and it's awesome yeah there's a there's a i've been using the word egalitarianism that's come about yeah. right like like you truly can collaborate based on the merits of your skills of your craft with pretty much yep. anyone. And that's to me kind of beautiful. It's awesome. 
It's like it's like real life version of YouTube. Like it, it, it there's not a TV network that has to decide what it, it's like. Everybody makes rad shit and and a lot of garbage too. But like the the beautiful beautiful stuff emerges in much more unexpected ways. And I, I don't know. I think that's what's really interesting. Um, so that, in a nutshell, is one of the things that's got you excited about the future. Yeah, it makes it also makes at least for me. I don't know everybody's different, but it makes me look for new, different inspiration too. Um, it, because it's it, you're just not so limited to one place or thing. Um, right, you're not looking at the list of what can my freelancers here in LA do. You're you're just looking at what could anyone. Yeah, anyone exactly. Do. Exactly. What can they bring to the party? Um, so, dude, I, 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 we should wrap this up because I, my clock says we're. Oh yeah, we're, 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 this is fun though. It flew by. It's so fun. I, I, man, I so, um, so respect you on so many levels, but I, I especially more than anything appreciate just the the candor and transparency of what it takes to run a, a business like thriving. That's thriving, obviously creatively, but thriving as a business well. And and you you you. You do our industry proud for sharing everything you've shared. Oh, thank you. We, you, I don't, don't, don't doubt yourself. You're the, you're like the, you're the backbone. Like I think, you know, I think it's it. it sometimes I think that I know we, I know we get on these zooms and it sounds like we have it all figured out and always had it figured out, but we absolutely did not. And I think it took collaborations like we've done together to to in, in your voice to be like, okay, like a this isn't a new problem that no one's ever faced. <laughs> like I think, you know, and, and I, I mean that in a nutshell, I think kind of sums up everything that, that I think we've been, we've every bit and been in every, anybody else's position that may be in harder times and, and um, probably way worse, honestly. Uh, so, yeah. Well, dude, trust That's me, it's, of, it's been a her. huge honor to play a part right in your story and the story of laundry um, so I consider it a privilege if I can help my peeps, right? Like all these creative entrepreneurs out there thrive and crush it hundred uh, percent who are already brilliant creatives, but crush it in business as well. Then yeah, that's what it's all about for me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I fully agree. Well, thank you. You've been listening to the Rev Thinking Podcast. I want to tell you about a place to connect that you might not know about. It's our online community called Rev Community. It's a great place to get to know other creative business owners like yourself, to share some thought leadership and read other encouragement, to be challenged in this new marketplace, new technology, ideas, economic trends, and it's a place to research. Check out many of the resources we have online, our videos, and of course, this podcast. Join us today at revthink.com slash community. If you're a creative studio owner, feel free to join us today at revthink.com slash community. I look forward to seeing you there.